give you a little insight or a little window into a typical, typical Christmas morning for the Jones family. Um, usually kids wake up, come downstairs in their jammies, all right? They uh, open the gifts from their stockings, and then after we open presents from the stockings, we'll have breakfast together around the table. And then for anyone that wants to, they can kind of go get ready for the day if they want to not stay in their jammies, whatever. And then after that, we come back and um, pick a number. There's six of us, right? So we go in order as far as who receives a gift. And we take it one gift at a time. So it lasts like all day. It's kind of the way we do it. That's not right or wrong, just kind of how we do it. And, um, but before we begin to open presents under the tree, we'll have the time of family worship together. And um, this past Christmas was no different. It involved, you know, singing a, a song or two. And, um, and then I'll give some kind of teaching or devotion or Bible study on the Christmas story or Advent. As I said, this, this past Christmas was, was no different. Now, now, why am I sharing our Christmas journey with you, right? And I'm sharing this because I want to share with you this morning the biblical truth and principle that God um, put on my heart to share Christmas morning with my family. And it has to do with the spiritual practice, spiritual discipline of what I'm going to call being present now. Let me explain what I mean by being present. I'm not talking about some kind of like Eastern, like mystic kind of thing where you sit in a room all by yourself and try to release all your thoughts and not think about anything. That's not what I'm talking about when we're talking about the spiritual discipline of being present. What I'm talking about is like physically being present. Think of like at school, a teacher takes attendance, right? Back in the olden days, the teacher would, you know, give the roll call and say your name out loud. And if you were in the room, you would say here, or you might say present. All right, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like you're physically present, you're physically there. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about being present, the spiritual discipline of being present. And I share that with you because we had something totally different planned for the spiritual discipline we were going to teach on for today. And just tell you a little bit, I, as I, every time I would study for the other spiritual discipline, this one kept coming back to me, and I just couldn't shake it. It was like God was teaching me something to the point where I'm like, I, I'm just going to take that knocking spirit from you, and I'm just going to share it. And just trust that what the Lord is teaching me, hopefully he'll do the same in teaching you as well. So I want to talk this morning about the spiritual discipline of being present. Now, why take a moment to talk on spiritual disciplines? A couple reasons. One is first, usually in our living church journey, well, for the past four or five years, at the start of a new year, we take a couple Sunday gatherings to teach on a specific spiritual discipline. In the past, we've looked at the spiritual discipline of how to study your Bible, prayer, fasting, financial giving, generosity. Last year, I believe, we looked at the spiritual discipline of thinking biblically, a Christian worldview. Now, I want to encourage you to go to the church website at some point. A bunch of people listen to podcasts. Maybe you want to refresh on some spiritual disciplines. Go to living-church.com, pull up resources, go to sermons, just find January. You can select a date, January, any of the past four years or so, and you'll 
come up on, on a spiritual discipline, if you want a refresher. So first, I want to talk about spiritual disciplines because that's kind of been our rhythm for the past four or five years. Second reason, most important reason, is because the Spirit of God, I believe, uses spiritual disciplines to draw us closer to Christ and to conform our character more to His. Now, how do we know this? Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Give a little bit of context here. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to his young pastor, protege, his apprentice, Timothy. And he's writing this letter to instruct Timothy on kind of how to conduct himself as a pastor. Right? How, how to kind of what, what, what are some of the things he should teach his congregation? What, what's his character to be like as a pastor? And then he gives some personal instructions to Timothy, and that's what we're going to see here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He's like, okay, Timothy, there's a lot of things, and people are just going to get all caught up in all these different things, but here's what I want to remind you of. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, he says this, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life. So train yourself for godliness. Now, the Greek word that Paul uses for train, we get our English word gymnastics or gymnast. And the word literally means to exercise vigorously. Now, I've never taken gymnastics. Anybody in the room that's a gymnast or taking gymnastics? All right, okay, so some people have done that, right? I, I don't know, but I'm guessing that if you want to learn how to do a backhand spring, right, without help, that's going to take some vigorous work and practice to get to that point, right? It's not just all of a sudden you're just going to know how, like, if I were to try to do a backhand spring, that could be the very end of me. If I try to do that just without any practice or help or anything like that, if I, and I won't attempt that, thankfully. So, but I'm just saying, like, you know, to get to that point, like, you want to learn how to do a back handspring, it's going to take a lot of practice. If your goal is to do a back handspring, you're going to have to put the work and energy into getting that point to where you can do that. And that's kind of what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, if you want to grow closer to Jesus in 2022, you want your character to look more like his, you want to grow and be more patient, more kind, more loving, more joyful, more faithful, having more self-control, it's going to involve training. It's going to involve some spiritual discipline. It's kind of like, you know, I won't ask how many did a resolution for like dieting and exercise, right? But if you, if, if, if you did, or maybe it's not a resolution, but maybe that's something that you, you, you kind of think about, you know that if you put the time and energy into your diet and exercising, you know, regularly, you're probably going to be healthier, I mean, just, just the way it works. Same with spiritual disciplines. If you put the spiritual disciplines into practice, you're probably going to draw closer to Christ, and your character is going to look more like his. That's exactly what Paul is trying to communicate here. So if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, it's going to involve spiritual disciplines. Now, Donald Whitney is a guru on spiritual disciplines. He's a pastor, teacher, professor, written books on these. And this is what he has to say. You see a little bit of the quote on the screen. He says, the spiritual disciplines are means, not ends. The end, that is the purpose of practicing the disciplines, is godliness. So the spiritual disciplines are those personal, and that's just like you alone, and interpersonal, that's you with other people, all right, activities 
given by God in the Bible as the means believers in Jesus are to use in the spirit-filled, gospel-driven pursuit of godliness. That is closeness to Christ and conformity to Christ. Now, back to the spiritual discipline of being present. I need to be up front with you. I have never heard of this as a spiritual discipline. I just haven't. I'm just being up front with you about that. I've never read it in a book. I don't know if anyone has ever written about it, okay? But that being said, when we look through Scripture and see the character of our God, and when we see our King Jesus, and when we see the first followers of Jesus and how they lived, this, this discipline bubbles to the surface, along with others, but it bubbles to the surface. This discipline of being present. And that's what I want us to talk about. So I want to show you from Scripture where we see this. So go to Genesis chapter 3 first. We see God living this practice of being present. Some of these are kind of like no-brainers, but I think we need to see it from Scripture. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus is, um, or God has created the universe, and we know this. Genesis chapter 3, he's created Adam and Eve, and I love this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 says this, And they heard, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from what? The presence of the Lord God among the trees. The trees of the garden. So here you have the very presence of God walking in the midst of the garden with his creation. And they say that we've been experiencing the presence of God. We've been in the presence of God. So here's God practicing the presence of being present with his people. Genesis chapter 16, we won't look at this one, but the story of Hagar and Abraham and Sarah. And Hagar runs away. And she finds herself alone in a desert, in a wilderness. And she says, I'm going to call God the God who sees. Why? Because she sees that God is present with her. He's present. God is, loves being present with people, with his people. Go to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus 25. Let's look at this. Verse 8. God is speaking to Moses, and he says this, Let them make me a sanctuary that I, am, that I may dwell, that I might be present in their midst. So here's God being present with his people in the garden. Here's God saying, make me a temple, a sanctuary, a tabernacle, so that I can be present with my people. And then in Acts, or Exodus chapter 33, go there, verses 12 through 16. Exodus 33, 12 through 16. And we know from the Old Testament history that God's presence was made known there in the temple at the mercy seat. The ark of the covenant. Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 16. Moses says to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let, let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. 
And so God replies, he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And so Moses replies, if your presence will not go with me, then don't bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people. Is it not that in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Do you see what Moses is saying? What makes you distinct as a follower of Jesus is that the God of the universe is present with you through what he provided through the presence of his son, Jesus, on the cross. That's what makes us distinct from everyone else on the planet, is that God loves being present with his people. And so all throughout the Old Testament, you see God living this practice of being present. Fast forward to the New Testament, the book of Acts, what do we see happening? Not only now God being with his people, but God sending his spirit, Holy Spirit, which we sang about earlier, to not only be with his people, to be now in his people. God now doesn't only want to just be with us. He wants to be in us. And he makes that happen by sending his Holy Spirit inside each and every believer. And if you go to the book of Hebrews, we won't look at this passage, but Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, quoting God himself, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you nor abandon you. God is very present God. You cannot read the story of scripture and not see this. That God loves being present with his people. And so why practice this spiritual discipline of being present? Because practicing or living this spiritual discipline of being present reflects the very image that God designed you to reflect. His. His image. He's a very present God. And when you are being present, you're reflecting the very God who created you. And reflecting the image of the God who created you when you're present. We see Jesus living this out too. Go to John chapter 1, verse 14. John chapter 1. It says this. And the word, referring to Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So here's Jesus puts a skin suit on, right? He, he puts a skin suit, a human suit on. Why? So that he can be present among the people. So here's Jesus living this out, being present. His heart is to be present. And then Jesus starts his ministry and invites 12 disciples to follow him. Go to the Gospel of Mark with me, chapter 3. And I love what Jesus says here, Mark chapter 3, when he's inviting the first 12 disciples to follow him. He says this, verse 13 through 15. He says, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So Jesus is inviting these disciples to be in his presence, which means he's going to be present with them. So here you see Jesus living this out of being present with people. So he's modeling this for us. You read the Gospels, you see Jesus being present with the sick, the hurting, the lame. Those, are, those, are in, those who are in all kinds of pain and diseases, Jesus pauses to be present with them. 
And as you read the Gospels, you see Jesus, you see the home is kind of like a headquarters for Jesus. We see Jesus going and being present inside people's homes. Matthew's home, the tax collector, Zacchaeus' home, Peter's home. And even the paralytic that we read about in Mark chapter 2 where they kind of lower that dude through the roof, it seems to suggest that that's actually Jesus' home. Now, whether that was his personal home or the home where he was staying doesn't really say, but it seems like that's where Jesus was staying. So the home, like being present with people, that was just how Jesus interacted with people, was being present. And so why do this? Like, why live this spiritual discipline of being present? First, because God has created you to reflect his image. And when you're being present, you're reflecting the very image that he's created you to have. And second, because when you live this spiritual discipline of being present, you're actually reflecting the character of Christ and how he engages and interacts with people. And it's not just with people, but with God himself. Luke chapter 5, verse 16 tells us that Jesus often got time away to be present with the Father. This isn't just about being present with one another. This is about also being disciplined to be present with the God who's created you. So we have God, we have Jesus, and then we fast forward to the first followers of Jesus. Go to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 46. Our Friday night house church, we read this every time we get together. It's just a good reminder for us every time we gather as a house church. Maybe not every time, but we try to most times read this passage together. Just a reminder of our practices as the church and what we're about and who we're about. But Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to being present with one another, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. They were present together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, they were present together. If you go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, the writer says, don't neglect the practice of being together, of being present with one another. And so here we have the very first church, right? The first followers of Jesus modeling this practice, living this discipline of being together. And so what's that mean? Why practice this, this discipline? It, it matters because you are then reflecting the character of Jesus' people. You're reflecting the character, and, and we're living out the way he has designed us to live, to being present. One more. Why I live this practice, this discipline of being present? Because being present is how God expresses love. It's one of the ways God expresses love. This is what we talked about on Christmas Day with our family. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that what? Do you know the rest of it? That he gave his only begotten son. Now, I'm kind of late to the party on some things. And for all my life, up until like a few weeks ago, I've always thought so loved just meant like how much. Like the quantity. Like God showed you how much. Actually, when it says God so loved, it literally is talking about the way in which God wanted to show you that he loves you is by sending his very presence in the person of his son to you. So how God expressed love to us was by sending his very presence to us. His son, Jesus. 
John wrote about this in another letter, and go there with me, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. 1 John 4, 8 and 9. It says this, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So how did God put his love on display? By sending the presence of his son to us. So one of the ways that God expresses love is by sending his presence, is by being present. So if we take all of this together, like all these things that we've seen about God, about Jesus, about the church, and even how God expresses love by being present. Listen, bottom line is that if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus this year, you want to deepen your walk with him, you want your character to look more like his, it's going to involve the spiritual discipline of being present. I want to pause for a moment, and I want to share with you in a moment, so what's this look like? But here's what I want you to do. I want you with the people next to you. I just want to pause and I want to give you a couple minutes to just talk about what's standing out to you about what we've just learned. Just right where you sit with the people next to you. Just talk about what's, what's kind of coming to the surface for you about what we've just learned and the scriptures we've looked at. Do that now. All right, let me, let me share a little bit. What, what are some ways, what, what's this look like? And hopefully some of what you shared is with each other kind of helps put um, some skin and bone, I guess, maybe on, on, on this, this spiritual discipline of, of being present. First, it just involves showing up. It's kind of a no-brainer. It's kind of a, a given, but I think it needs to be stated. It just means showing up. It just means physically be there. Right? Just, just be present. And sometimes that means just being there. You don't have to say anything. Sometimes that means just being present at the funeral, being present at the hospital, being present with your neighbor, being present in your home, whatever. Just be present. Sometimes you don't know what to say. That's okay. Just you're expressing love by just being there. You know, brag on, on Jody a little bit, and he didn't know I was going to say this, but he's got this neighbor, in, you know, that, they're, um, that he's been ministering to for years or was ministering to her for years, and her name was Layla, I believe, and just constantly going over there, showing up and helping her with whatever she needed done. What a ministry. Wouldn't take any money for it, but she'd give them money for it, and he would turn around and use that money to help someone else. Just, to sh- just showing up to help. It's all it, it's all it really means. And, and it starts with our relationships with one another. And so, husbands, let me talk to you for a minute. Well, what would it look, what's it look like for you to be present with your wife and for your wife? You might be like, I have no idea. Let me give you a little tip. Ask her. Just ask. Say, hey, babe. Right? Hey. Don't do it like this, okay? Just don't make it funny. I get in trouble for that all the time. All right, so just, just say, hey, what, what, what's being present with you and for you look like? What, and wives, same, ask, ask your husband, what's, what's being present for you and with you look like? Moms, dads, what's it look like to be present with your kids? Ask them. If they're old enough to answer, ask them. Play video games 24-7, dude. Okay, not going to do that. Totally. We might play some, okay, but just ask. Be present. 
right? Students, kids, whatever. What's it look like to be present for brothers and sisters? And to be for them, be present for them. Or to be present with that classmate or that roommate that's struggling. What's, what's it look like to be present? And above all, what's it look like to be present with the Lord? What's that look like for you? To just show up. To just show up with Jesus. To just show up and be present with him. Think about that. Over lunch, talk about that. Little lunch homework. All right, talk about that. Ask those questions. What's that look like? Now, to do that, the second thing, what else? It looks like slowing down so you can show up. It just looks like slowing down. Um, Someone once said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Ugh. Right? Ugh. If he can't make you sin, he's going to make you busy, which might be a sin. Right? Dallas Willard, who's another guru on spiritual practices and disciplines, he says this, hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. Hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. In order to show up, sometimes we got to slow down. And I know we're all incredibly busy. And so the question to ask might be, what do you need to say no to so that you can say yes to being more present? Ask and answer that question. What do we need to say no to so that we can say yes to being more present? So being present looks like showing up, looks like slowing down, and it looks like looking up. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by looking up is this, that the reason for being present is Jesus and the sacrifice he made to be present with you. That the reason we live this discipline, this practice of being present is because of Jesus and the sacrifice. We're looking up and we're seeing Jesus, we're seeing the sacrifice he made on the cross, the brutality of the cross, so that you could be present with him forever. So you've got to look up. You've got to see Jesus. You've got to, this isn't about earning grace or earning brownie points with God. No, we don't be present to try to get God's approval or get God to like us more. No, we be present. We live this discipline out because of the sacrifice of grace, what God has given to us in his son, Jesus. That's our motivation. And so it's got to involve us as people, as God's people, looking up and seeing Jesus and all that he endured so that you could be present with him forever and have your sins forgiven. And then finally, it looks like putting down. So what is this? It looks like showing up, slowing down, looking up, putting down. Just some examples. Know what I mean by putting down? Put down the distractions. So you can be fully engaged when you're in the room. Right? And a lot of times, it has to do with that device. It's not a bad thing. Don't, okay, they're great. I'm talking about the phone here, right? Your smartphone, right? Sometimes it just involves putting that down. Like, I don't know, like, it's a horrible thing for me to have my phone when I'm trying to be present with the Lord in the mornings. Because I'm like Pavlov's dog. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, your phone's right here. Ding. Poof. You know, and I like go straight to my phone. Sorry, guys. Excuse me. Oh, it's some like spam thing or whatever. It's like, every time I'm like that, right? Every time it's like, see, do what you need to do to get rid of the distractions so that you can be all engaged, fully engaged when you are there. Summit Ministries is a, a Christian ministry. They deal with Christian worldview. Great resource, summitministries.org, I think it is. And they had a little video. We showed this to our kids a while ago about phones and different things, and it was convicting. 
and the guy said, listen, don't let those who are outside the room distract you from those inside the room. Great advice. Right? Because you're like in the room with a bunch of people and you're there to be with them and then you're like, you're talking to all these other people like, oh yeah, you know, you have no clue what's going on in the room because you're, the people outside the room seem to be more important. Don't let those who are outside the room distract you from the people inside the room. And it just means putting down whatever that looks like. These are just some different ideas, different examples for us to begin living this discipline of being present. So as a band comes, I want you to think about this, all right? So what's it look like for you? What's the Spirit of God right now nudging you about when it comes to the spiritual discipline of being present? What's he nudging you with? I mean, when we dive into Scripture and we see the character of our God, we see the character of our King Jesus, we see the church, we see the way God expresses love, this discipline, this practice of being present bubbles to the surface. Can you imagine what it would look like? I mean, just imagine the impact it would have if we really began to live this out as the people of God. If we really were intentional about really being present, not for the sake of being present, but as a response of worship to the one who gave his life to be present with you. Can you imagine? What would that say to the people around us, to our neighbors and our families, our kids, our, our roommates, our friends? What would it say if we really were intentional about living this practice of being present? Why? So that we can draw closer to Christ and have our character look more like his. Train yourself for godliness. So I'm going to ask them to just play quietly. And I want you to just take a moment right where you sit, and I want you to talk to God. I don't want you to say, I'm just asking you, like, I don't know what he's saying. Just ask him. Say, God, help me understand what you're saying to me right now about living this practice of being present. Right now where you sit. Just talk to him.